Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Yeah, it's just uh, wonderful to worship. It was tough to miss a week with being with you. Is everybody okay with that? I, we, um, we just felt the combination of weather dropping and uh, rain the pre- previous day and 20 to 20 mile per hour winds. We just said, uh, let's, let's see how the wind affects the tent. And uh, so you're here. We're back. Amen. And I love worshiping with you. I feel like uh, a lot of times when I'm preaching, it's hard to just get lost in worship, but I felt like I, I got lost today from the first note. And you guys make it easy to worship. There's something about corporate worship. And uh, I am just, uh, just really feel a, a gratitude for our church and just the people that say, I'll put up with... I'll put up with noise, I'll put up with rain, I'll put up with cold, I'll put up with mud. And it's just an honor to run with people like that. Michael Maiden said, you know, maybe you're moving and Saturday nights and all the, the tent could be a sifting to let the people that don't, you know, need a lot of convenience can get sifted out. And you end up with a core of burning ones. You end up with a core that says, this is my home, I'll, I'll put up with some stuff. And that, uh, that creates something really special as we go forward. And uh, I just uh, I saw something in worship that kind of grabbed me. I, as a financial advisor, I see a lot of balance sheets, and it was just a little glimpse of a balance sheet. It was an ordinary balance sheet. And... Uh, there was, an, uh, there was a Ford, a 2011 Ford F-150. That was an asset. It was worth $11,000. And there's $1,400 in the checking account and 12000 in a savings account and a little bit of money in IRA and a couple hundred thousand dollar house with a $180,000 mortgage. And it was an ordinary balance sheet. It was like the Lord put eternal assets on top just sifted them in, just kind of hid it in between. And on the balance sheet, it said, Son of God, here's the voice of the Father. I was like, whoa. And as if, it was this, as if all of heaven stopped on that line. We spend a lot of time in the things of this earth, but the heavens stopped and the angels stopped and the trees and the hills, creation. Said, let's check this out. There's a son or daughter of the king who can hear the voice of the Lord. So we've been, uh, we've been talking the last Sunday of the year. We're talking about how do you, how do you change? Because if we're going to be conformed to the image of Christ, I need to change. If we're going to be called and justified, and at the end of that verse, glorified, we need to change. So how does he change us? 
And in that message I just shared, well, he changes us with the word of God. And in Ephesians 5, 26, there's the washing water of the word of God. He begins to change the way we think. He just begins to transform our mind to think more like heaven's thoughts. He, change, he changes us by who we hang around. Social scientists say that you become like the five people you hang around. You hang around burning ones, you start burning. You hang around cynics, you become cynical. And we become like the thoughts we hang around. Proverbs 23, 7 talks about as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a weird verse. I've never really seen it this way before, but we, we don't really think about thinking with our heart. In fact, we think of those as two th different things. But could it be that the thoughts that stay around so long that get reside in our heart that drop into who we are? that drop into our heart, that become our core values. Those thoughts, Proverbs says, become who we are. We change by the people we hang around and the thoughts that happen up here. Because most of life is happening between our ears. While I'm pumping gas, a mundane task that I really dislike, There are 10 or 15 thoughts flowing through your head. You're in Australia and you're thinking about this person and that thing and that happened and that bill. and I, You know, most of life happens up here while you're pumping gas. And so how does he change us? He changes us by the people we hang around and the thoughts we entertain. And we talked a little bit about how in the new year it's great to have themes and, uh, and the, how the Lord has just spoken to me through themes and just beginning years with themes that felt like they came from the Lord, rhema words from the Lord, and how the years where those existed were marked and I remember them and they carry a testimony, they carry passion. They carry some fire. We talked a little bit about that, and I mentioned how the Lord was just stirring in me about a burning one being part of this year's theme, and he's talking to me about, Lord, I want, Steve, I want you to burn. So I'm, I'm wanting to learn how to burn more. And he's talking to me about despising not small beginnings, counting the days, doing little things well. It's like the, like the baseball player in spring training, you know, you go back to learning how to bunt again and doing little things well and, and making his presence preeminent in the smallest details of our life. Is your God big enough to matter in the smallest deals, details of your life? And so he's just reminding me, can you, can you bring my presence to the mundane of your world? On Monday morning when you're going to work and you're sitting at your desk and like, okay, God, where do I find you here? Can you make this, you and me, a great day in the middle of mundane? 
So my life has testimonies of big things where I've heard his voice and he's just saying, can you bring me to the everyday, to the littlest thing? Can you make my presence preeminent? And so um, what a wonderful message by Sherry as she spoke about the burning ones two weeks ago. Wasn't it amazing? And she's burning in Africa right now. How do we change? I want to talk about another way we change, and this way is a way that brings me so much life and joy. I feel more alive on this subject than any. This feels more real than any spiritual subject. This feels like a burning one subject for me. And I can't believe I've really never preached about it, and it's a we talk about it a lot around here. It's hearing his voice. Aaron Sumner came up. We, don't, we didn't plan that testimony to be about hearing God's voice and obeying. That's what they were testifying about. These divine coincidences just happen that God orchestrates them. We're not that planned. We're not that good. But on your balance sheet, do you hear his voice? I think the Western church, the normal church, the average church member today in church sitting right now, more than half of you say, hear his voice, they get a little uncomfortable. I've talked to pastors that are uncomfortable with that concept. The world thinks you're crazy if you say you hear his voice. I applied at an airline, famous airline in our city a couple times for jobs, and, and the psych test asked me if I heard voices about 30 different ways. <laughs> they want to know if you're schizophrenic or if you hear voices, you're schizophrenic. Let, we talk about hearing God's voice, but let's talk about it plainly. Let's get some plain speak about it. I, I've never heard the audible voice of God. If I asked uh, our church to raise their hand, I bet a dozen or so or more would say they have. And I, 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 that's awesome. I, I look forward to that day. Amen? If I asked a church, have you seen an angel? There would be a dozen or Maybe a few dozen that have seen angels. I, I never have. I look forward to that day. I can honor what I have not experienced. I can honor in others things I haven't experienced, and they can honor in me things they haven't. Hear his voice. So what does it mean? A couple times I've heard the voice of the Lord so loud inside my head that I've looked around. Anyone done that? That's a strange one. But every day hearing his voice. I think part of the secret to hearing God's voice is knowing that it is his will to speak to you. That it's absolutely what he wants more than you. 
it started in a garden with Adam walking with the Father and them conversing. It was the original DNA, the original plan was him speaking with us. And it was, it was the sin of Adam and Eve that sent them into hiding. God didn't withdraw from them. They withdrew from him. He's the one, where are you? Well, we're in the bushes. We're hiding in shame. We just realized our clothing wasn't appropriate anymore. They ran. He didn't. And if you walk through the, the Old Testament, it's the same. You know, it, God didn't want Israel to have a king. They said, we want a king. We want a mediator. We'll take that Saul guy, the great-looking guy whose head and shoulders above the rest, that great-looking guy. If it doesn't work out, we'll name a shampoo after him. <laughs> Later on, it was David. That was, a, that was a really slow response to that joke. They can happen anytime. Just stay with me. They're not always good. Moses, Mount Sinai. God didn't want it just to be Moses. They said, You go, Moses. We're afraid. It's never been his heart to cut us off. And then with Jesus, the, the cross, when the veil was torn from the top down, an entire old covenant of day of atonement, the priest goes in to atone for the sins of the nation every day, going into the Holy of Holies, a scary adventure. And with the Lord Jesus Christ died and on the cross, the veil torn from the top down as if to say, you have entrance. All of you have entrance. All of you have access. And Billy Graham doesn't have more access than you. The cross opened it for every one of us. Every one of us has access. Your favorite preacher doesn't have more access. From the top down, it is rationally, theologically, his will to want to speak to you. And in John 10, it says, my sheep hear my voice. So it doesn't make sense that we're behind as a Western church and just speaking about hearing his voice. It's for all of us, every one of us. We get to hear his voice. So how does he speak? And the way he speaks to me is completely different possibly than how he speaks to you. The Holy Spirit is the greatest multitasker. We men are kind of mono. Most women are great at multitasking because they have three children sitting around their knees and they're trying to make dinner and do everything else at the same time. The Holy Spirit is the greatest multitasker because he can speak to three or four, five hundred people. 
He can be speaking to the person next to you differently than he's speaking to you. In worship, there can be 400 different messages going on as we worship. Each one tailored to us. No one else was seeing a balance sheet with, like I was. You can be grateful for that. I don't want to see balance sheets when I'm worshiping God, Lord. He multitasks and speaks to each one of you where you are at in this moment. So how does he speak? He speaks through his word. You can be opening the word and see a scripture that you've read 50 times and suddenly it comes alive. Suddenly it's ripe in the moment. He can speak through your spouse when you don't want her to be right. And the Lord's speaking to you and you know she is. He can speak through divine coincidence. It's one of the most common ways he speaks to me is, uh, I'll be thinking about, or I'll see a verse, and then one of you will walk up to me and mention an obscure verse. You'll, there'll be just divine coincidences that happen in life. And once I see it two or three times, it's like a, Lord, are you trying to get my attention? We saw one just this last week um, when we, we've been doing some tent permitting and, and they give a tent permit for six months and they just gave us a six-month permit over there, which is great. And I'm on, a, I'm on a Zoom call with the other Bethel pastors and Bethel Austin, their space, they have a lease that ends in six months. And Bethel Valparaiso is being, having to move out of their building in six months. Three of the five Bethel churches on the planet have six-month windows. It's a divine coincidence. What are the odds? It comforts me for some reason. I don't know why. I'm sure he's here in all three of us, or one of us. He speaks in divine coincidence. He speaks in nature. Our ministry, for many of us, have seen red-tailed hawks at unique times over the years, many, many occasions. Lindy and I, on our last trip from Reading, when we were leaving the school and coming home for the last time on I-5, going south, we're dreaming in the car about things to come, and we're just having this really rich dreaming session. We look to our left, and there is a rainbow that is as wide as my hand, every color, and the full 180 degrees, like 20 miles long, every color. Never in my life had I seen a rainbow like that. And then right under it, a second one, exactly the same. Never seen a rainbow like that. In the midst of our dreams, and for 10 miles, we got to enjoy this, trying not to run off the road, watch the road, no texting, no looking at rainbows. And as soon as 10 miles of enjoying that rainbow, we, the road began to turn to the right, and we said, oh, we're not going to really be able to see it. 
And we look back one more time and it was gone. Totally. He speaks through nature. He's always speaking. Sometimes he speaks when you're in a moment. I, I was at a, a table with a brother a couple weeks ago and, and I, I knew the Lord wanted me to do something that was tough. There was, a, there was a tough forgiveness moment. And I felt the presence of God just rest. And he asked me to do something that I knew didn't come from me. He speaks in a way that's not a voice of your own. Sometimes he speaks in a syntax or a grammar that's not your own. He's trying to help us. It's more art than science. It's more feel than formula. And yours is different than mine. It's this walk of faith. It's a walk of faith for a reason. You can be so sure, but there's often just this tiny little fishing line left. Every other doubt is gone. He'll leave just a little one because we walk by faith, not by sight. And we walk into that, that realm. He's always speaking. And there's something wonderful that happens when you hear him. Something beautiful that happens. And so when you obey him, this is where something magical is. And Jesus was the greatest at obedience. He learned obedience as a son. If you look with me to um, Hebrews 5.8, let's turn there. So although he was a son, Hebrews 5.8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. So Jesus was coming into obedience as a son. It wasn't master-slave. It wasn't employer-employee. It wasn't top and below. It was equals because sons and daughters are equal with mom and dad. And he came as an equal. So if you're hung up on, if obedience is a word that triggers you, Jesus came as one, as an equal obedient son. Obedience was, is sort of a trigger word for people. I noticed it kind of in the 70s when I got married in 79 and uh, the vows used to have ladies saying, I'll obey. In about the 70s or 80s, women's quit liking that story. Like, that dog ain't hunting anymore. We're not putting that in the vows. I have a friend on his honeymoon told his wife she needed to obey. It, it didn't go well. I don't think it's gotten better since. But the flip side of that word is Jesus, who gave his life for his bride. And uh, if you think about it as a family thing, a perfect father 
who invests in his children, gives to them, feeds them, comforts them, would die for them, invests in them, speaks identity into them, would give them anything they need. If he asks them to take out the trash, will they do it? If he asks them to run a chore, it seems almost crazy that they would say no, doesn't it? I'm getting no response here. Let's try this again. If I give my life for my son Stevie sitting over here, and I invest thousands in his education, and he knows that I would take a bullet for him and his wife and his two sons, and I know I'd em he knows I'd empty my bank account if he needed me, and I would move heaven and earth to make his life better than mine. If I ask him to run to Walmart, do you think he'll do it? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> he'll do it gladly. So why do we resist when the Lord speaks to us? Why do we resist? to the one who gave his life for us and modeled obedience. Jesus modeled obedience as a son. So when I'm uh, on a quest this year to find his presence in the smallest moments, I don't have to look further than the model of Jesus who did it daily. I only do what I see the Father doing. He's the model. But we hear his voice and we run and obey. This kind of obedience needs to be done quickly. There's some kind of, there, there's a moment in time when you seek counsel and you, you, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. But when you hear the voice of the Lord, it's usually something tough. It takes faith. It's usually not something on the edge of doctrine or it's usually something that requires immediate obedience. If you go talk about it to all your buddies, you'll find someone who will agree with you to talk you out of it. Unbelief can masquerade as wisdom very easily in our culture. Believe it. Go for it. I, when I hear it, I just got to go before I talk myself out of it. There's something magical that happens when you do it. Because God lets you know that he saw and he saw that you heard and he saw your response, and he will let you know that he saw the transaction. I love, uh, I love this devotional, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. I've, I've heard it's the best-selling devotional of all time. 
and I'll pick it up for a year or two and lay it down, then I'll pick it up for a year or two and lay it down, and it always still seems fresh. But in it, on a page that I thought I remembered, It says that natural obedience brings the delight of supernatural grace. A hundred years ago, this was written. So one of my spiritual heroes, he's saying, if you'll physically obey, if you'll naturally obey, you'll see the delight of my supernatural grace come. A hundred years later, in our culture, we say the exact same thing with different words. Physical obedience brings spiritual release. It's the same thing a hundred years behind. But men of God, women of God, saints who know him well, are sharing with us these nuggets of truth. That if you obey, I'll drop supernatural grace on what just happened. And when that happens, over and over in your life, it builds something in you that no one can take away. Nobody can take it. You see, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And as these testimonies roll into our life, they, became, they become faith like an oak tree that's digging its roots so deep and spreading its arms so wide. And that oak tree starts from just a little sapling to a mighty 150-year-old oak like we have on our property here. It happens why these testimonies roll into our lives and they occur. And we have access, every one of us, to our own Rolodex of testimonies. And they're starting to become not just personally ours, but they're becoming corporately ours. And I'll share just a couple with you, corporate ones, lately. And... Um, when we were uh, at ABC building, we were about to sign a contract to buy that building, and the rates were good, the price of the building was good, and there were a lot of great reasons, and we were growing, it was convenient, it was relatively easy, and Bill Johnson had a message that weekend I was feeling a check from the Lord. Our staff wasn't as excited as I thought they should be. My wife and my daughter weren't as excited, and there was just checks, checks. You know, to say no when there's huge momentum is hard. One of the hardest things as a leader is to stop when all the momentum is going. And in the short term, we'd be in a better place had we stayed and had we signed that. We'd be two or three times larger and our finances would be 50% better and we wouldn't be in the mud. 
But we're people of a hundred-year vision. And we're people, and this is better. It's going to be better. It may not be better today, but it's going to be better. But physical obedience brings spiritual release. So how did he let us know? He let us know by a divine coincidence of birthdays. And we walked on this property and the staff met on the middle of that bridge on October 6th, my wife's birthday. And it was the exact property she had drawn on a billboard years earlier and the one she'd been looking for for years. On her birthday, we found this property. On my birthday, we got a FedEx that, from ABC saying, we're going to sell the building and you guys need to get out. <laughs> Anyone catch the irony? She finds it on her building. I get evicted on my birthday. <laughs> it's kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of pastors, you know. I tell you, I get no respect. Rodney Dangerfield's a great, he's great, and he's kind of my, my era, so some of the young people may not know Rodney. He, little diversion here, I'll make the, make the staff very nervous. He's famous for kind of messing with his tie, and he's kind of a New York accent, so I get no respect. So one day Rodney had a blind date, so I got a blind date. I'm going to meet a girl at the street corner. I'm walking up to the street corner. I get no respect. I, I, I see her. I see her. She meets the description. I say, are you Julie? She says, are you Rodney? I said, yeah. She says, I'm not Julie. <laughs> so <laughs> Rodney's great. And then, to further divine coincidence, we closed on the property on Blake and Lauren's birthday. Find it on Lindy's, evicted on mine, (laughs) closed on theirs. And both of them, unbeknownst to each other, went to their sons, their firstborn children, that night. And said, we bought some property for you today, son. It's prophetic because this land is your land. (laughs) This land is my land. (laughs) From California to the Red Rock (laughs) Islands. This land was made for you and me. (laughs) Oh, forget the sermon. Let's just have some fun, right? So, he speaks through divine coincidence. And in that moment of obedience, the delight of supernatural grace. It says, I see all your obedience, sons and daughters. So, last February, another example. Um, 
February 2018, I, I remember right here, I hear God, you hear God in locations sometimes. You hear him clearer in your prayer closet or I hear him at a chair in my house where I spend time with him. I hear him right here in worship with you very clearly. I, that's why I love worship with you. And finances were tough. We'd had two or three, we'd had seven months. We were way under budget. And we hear the Lord just say, that tithe that you're giving of the tithes, the 10% of money that comes to the church that you're putting in the building fund, give it away to the missions. And we're like, that doesn't make any sense. We're going down in finances. We need to build a building. It's not logical usually. Men, it's not always rational. You better obey before you talk yourself out of it. If you go get advice, someone will agree with you. Wisdom masquerades as unbelief or vice versa. So we began doing that and had the joy of giving extra money to missions. And miraculously, the end of the budget year, things caught up. Supernatural grace, the delight when we obey. And I could go on and on and on. And as I tell the stories... Passion rises, and the burning rises, and the absolute gratitude and joy of being able to say on your balance sheet, you're a son or daughter of the high king, and you get to hear his voice, and every angel, every hill and tree, every animal, every person if they knew what that really meant. You see, if there was a billionaire in our midst today and they were known and they were in our congregation, we'd all kind of know. We'd all kind of like, wow, I wonder what that's like to live that life. But eternity screams to be a son of God can hear his voice it's so much richer it's so much longer it's eternity it's so much better would you be a burning one he's just calling would you be a burning one do you know what I purchased for you on the cross we have the delight of hearing his voice, running to obey. And when it happens, and when that grace hurt, that grace drops, we're having an encounter. And every one of us is called to be an encounter to the world who's hungry for something real. And you become an encounter in these moments, and you become changed, and then you become an encounter for a world that's hungry. And needs him. They're going to be partying in this week in our city. 
And I pray our city is safe, and I pray we're great ambassadors for our city. But they're sons and daughters of the living God who have the Holy Spirit residing in them. Ephesians says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. What a gift. And that Holy Spirit, Romans 8, the Spirit is testifying with my spirit that I'm born again. There's a communication going on. There's this triangle communication going on when you sit with your Bible and the Spirit of God in you and your spirit and the Word of God are triangulating and trying to speak to you and wash your mind with the water, watered Word of God. And He's always speaking. And we have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's calling us, called out ones. You've been justified. You've been called. And at the end of that verse, he wants to glorify you. And it happens through encounters. It happens through hearing his voice. It happens by being passionate, burning ones who bring fame to his name. So there's a grace. One of the beauties of another way we grow is that our leaders, as they have some breakthrough in an area, there's a grace for all of us to just jump in. There's a wake created where you can get in behind it through faith, through honor, through belief. And it's my conviction that every one of us that calls this home, there's an extra grace, an easy grace to jump into this thing where we hear his voice and we run and obey. Danny Silk was here years ago, and he'll be here next week, so do not miss it. Yes. And I remember... I remember just feeling this, like, oh, Lord, what do we do? How do we, how do we build a church? How do you live up to these expectations or these words, these grandiose words? And the still, small voice of the Lord, when it comes, and you know it's not you, and you know it's good, So just go find 300 people that love my presence. Find 300 people that will worship radically. There are more than 300 in here worshiping radically today. Find 300 people that will hear my voice. And when they hear it, they'll run and obey. And those 300 will help you find a 1,000 like that. And those 1,000 will change your city. And my just anxiety, just, okay, we can do that. It's not easy. But if, if that is the word of the Lord, what an honor to be one of the 300. What an honor to be one of the 1,000. What an honor to be a part 
of the bride of Christ that has an impact on your city. What an honor. Is it worth fighting for? Is it worth burning for? Is it worth dying for? So, the first line of that song just keeps messing with me. You know, where are your burning ones? I stand in awe of you. We just stand in awe of the one who gave his life for us. We stand in awe of the one that says, I want to get my people back to that way it was in the garden where we walked and we talked and your needs were met and you were whole and you were healthy. That's the God we serve. That's the God worth worshiping. That's the God worth being a burning one for. The rest of the world, know it or not, are looking for something real. They are. They may look rich and fancy and they may look happy, but there's no peace without the Prince of Peace. It's all a charade. Until the Prince of Peace resides and Christ is formed in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ through our imperfections and our selfishness and our greed and our lust and our blah, 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 blah. But Christ is being formed in us. Amen. 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 Would you stand? A simple prayer. Lord Christ, be formed in us. Christ, be formed in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now release a grace to hear his voice. Release a grace to have the courage to run and obey. And I release a grace to notice when his supernatural grace comes to remind us and inform us and delight us that he heard. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.